0: All right, here we go, one, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Reach Arts. We are a community arts organization in Swampscott, Massachusetts. In this first series, we are asking six local artists 20 questions. These questions range from how do you procrastinate to what would you do with an imaginary friend? Keep listening to get to know a few artists and how they think about art, life, stuff. Most recently, Therese's project Touchstone was included in the Immigrant Artist Biennial slash Mother Tongue virtual exhibit in New York City. In 2019, her exhibits included a curatorial project, Unredacted, Teresa has also created site-specific installations for the Emily Dickinson Museum in Amherst and the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. Let's listen. I'm here today with Teresa in the ballroom at Reach Arts here in Swampscott. And Teresa, what is your last memory of the ballroom? This space, so this space was, there was
1: a, um, I think there was uh, one of those sales that was happening. And so there were there was a table in the center, and then I have the visuals, and I have um, Ingrid and um, David and Heidi sitting at the front, right. I have that visual, and then there's the exhibitions that were rotated in the space, the one that the unredacted that was here, when we um, what three years ago or something before. But I haven't been in the space for the whole year, right? I haven't I haven't entered another public building since COVID started,
0: and what. Is it like for you to be back? I mean, right now, looking
1: at the hope um, of, the, of the, um, the birds that are flying right here right now, it's extraordinary, right? Because of thinking about the year that we've had and thinking about what they represent. It's, it's nice to be in a public space, but it's, you know, it's different. It's weird. It's strange because you're used to your home space now and doing everything there but a public space becomes a whole other thing that we haven't practiced in so long, right? So theater or, or that hasn't happened in a year. And that's um, exciting that it's happening now, but you know, it's, it, and in, with this interview, but it's something that I miss, right? Being in public,
0: being together. Yeah. That was my little cheat introduction, <laughs> if you don't mind, <laughs> just to get a couple of extra questions in there. And now we're going to start with okay. the artist questions, right. art, right. life, oh, art stuff.
1: Life. Oh, God.
0: I okay, it. you're okay. ready for this? Yeah. Okay, right. so what did you want to be when you were growing up? So for a long time, I didn't, as a kid,
1: my priority was to be in my grandmother's garden. So I didn't, I don't think I attended school until second grade, because I would escape and go to my grandmother's garden, and I would be there, like, pick, you know, going through the, through the, the nature. and. Playing with snails, but um, I think very early on I kind of had a. I didn't know what an artist was, and I don't know, I didn't know what they do, right? But I definitely um, loved getting my first paint set and doing the first Bob Ross painting, right? And then in in high school, in the final year, in senior year in high school, when I had all my required courses, the I took an independent study in art because that's—I knew that that's what I loved doing, and I was mesmerized by clay. I was—I just fell in love. And I had spent two hours. I didn't care about any other school curriculum. I dropped physics, and I just decided, okay, this is my—like, I need to now do what I love doing. That was very clear that I wanted to not do just a job, but do something that fed me in a different way than just the finances. Right?
0: Although that would be. What was the first piece of art that you ever made?
1: I think the, the one that I first consider art was the, that piece in high school out of clay, which I took um, Daphne and Apollo. Like I was taking Latin, so I was interested in Greek mythology um, and learning about, and and I started carving. I had Mr. Curtis for my teacher at the high school. So, and he um, did these, he showed us what he was working on. He was working on these figurines or figures out of clay. I said, Oh let me like do something like that except with my story. And it was a story of um, of Apollo trying to take Daphne, right? Which must've been an interesting thing when I was 18 years old. Um, and so it's a sexual scene. With, and then Daphne rejects him and turns into the tree, right, and she becomes the tree. Um, yeah, and I loved, I was mesmerized. Like I didn't know where the time went. I was just in that sculpture. And that was when and i brought it home and i knew i had something of value um and yeah and my parents were like oh okay it's not just a hobby
0: your favorite piece of artwork by someone else is there one
1: i think one that i've been looking at for the last 20 years and reviewing in my classes has been um, a work called um, felix in exile and it's a video by william Kentridge from south africa um, and looking at it's this really incredible piece where he's it's a really old piece too it's maybe 30 years old it was one of his first works and it's charcoal drawing and it's not the drawing that's the point it's the it's the movement in between the drawing is erased and he um takes stop motion photographs so he backs away he changes the drawing photographs it and it's a full I think 10 minute piece where um it's beautiful. It's a love story between him and this this other this woman figure. Um, he's initially in what looks like a jail, and he sees from her point of view. He, he they look through each other's eye, and then he sees the horror of um, of the of, so the, it's during apartheid in South Africa. So you have um, you have the the, the, woman, the black woman and her experience and what she has seen, and then you have their, them kind of meeting and merging. It's, it's, it's a lovely piece, there's a wonderful little, and it's just, it's not that, he's not interested in sort of the finished drawing or the finished, he's interested in the movement and the continuum and where this, and he doesn't have any um, storyline preconceived. It's just as it's happening that the drawing is changing and then it's a different scene, but he's also connected to theater, right? He took the, the I think he went to school for theater um, and then at forty, he he wasn't employable, or maybe thirty-five, and so he's you know he said to a friend like, "What should I be?" And and the friend was like, "Well, you already are what you are. Like, just go with that." And you know he's one of the most extraordinary artists of the twenty-first century. But
0: name um, again, just William, so. William Kentridge. Kentridge with a K. Kentridge. Kentridge. K e
1: n t r i d g e.
0: Write that down. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good. Good uh, and where do you find inspiration? mm
1: okay um, I mean it's a stupid answer, but like everywhere uh, and I think more and more in the last year thinking about air and atmosphere and I go on the deck every day um, and noticing really the, the 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 ebb and flow and the waves of nature of, of when things bloom or when things die off, and what, um, it's one of those things that the cycle of nature has been more. We were more of aware of it this year because there's nowhere to go but the garden, and so I definitely, and I, I propagate plants indoors. So even when the the garden's sort of dead outside, I've had this new. It's almost like a fetish of of propagating every plant in the house, and. Um, but that, but but it's amazing to me that nature never ends. It it doesn't. It this we have this weird system of thinking that death is fine is the end point, where in nature there is no end point. There's it's just regrowth and re. So I think that's been really interesting to observe and reconsider, even though I'm terrified of death.
0: That <laughs> that, that we'll ask we'll ask <laughs> that later. When we get to the life part, I mean okay. death part. Perfect. Okay, uh, love it. When you start a new piece of work, how do you begin?
1: I think every time I step up to a canvas or a painting, I'm brutally terrified. Um, but consciously or in my head. But I think if I have some music on, it's like a whole experience. Then I then then I just try to let my hands do what they do. And then it gets into then then the terror goes away, or at least ebbs down a little bit. And, then, um, and I start by thinking, doing the ground, doing the context, like what you know, what, what supports the main thing that's starting to happen. But the, it, I start from the ground. So in the old tradition, it would be called an underpainting. So, so it's mostly brown. It's because brown is the color of dirt, and it's that's the base. Um, and that's traditionally how things were, how painting was started, and the colors kind of pop from that back that, that brown. I mean, everything when you mix everything together is brown.
0: It's poop. <laughs> I'm going right. I'm just vulgar. No, I like that. <laughs> uh, you had mentioned music. You said when the music starts. So what I, music do you listen to? What kind of music do you listen to?
1: So I have this really old uh, sort of. Uh, um, Conglomerate of music that I that I had well transferred to a digital file, um, and so I have things like Melissa Etheridge, but with um, Gypsy Kings and with um, T- Tina Turner, who I loved and still love. Um, and Tina Turner really gets me going. Um, but but it, but then on, on another hand, I just play on YouTube. You know, sometimes I just do creative music. It's something stupid category, and Google spits out the, the music. But sometimes like it's a cello or it's a piano so it's really it ranges
0: and what about clothing is there something special you wear when you work see my teacher wore a white dress
1: when she was painting and she would t- talk about that so I tried I do attempt sometimes no I don't attempt to dress up when I go painting but um, this is what I wear I and in the last year I basically wear the same thing almost year. Just a pair of jeans, and then something on the top.
0: Can we get personal for a minute? Do I ever paint naked? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna ask. But that question. I did once.
1: Oh, okay. I did it was good. It was actually in a group setting in a studio. Um,
0: Everyone was naked.
1: No, just me. I just needed to. I needed to um, paint my body at the top, whatever strange thing. Oh, that's a memory I didn't know I was going to share with the public, but here we go.
0: Okay, I won't <laughs> ask my question because <laughs> yours is much more interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, yeah, and
1: then actually I turned the whole painting around because it was not about being figurative and the sort of outward appearance, and it was much more about me processing a female body in the course of history, which actually is a theme that has popped back up in my work. Right? It's not about the superficial Repainting boobs and whatever it's more uh, it was a very visceral painting in the end it had to have dirt on it it had to like it was a very textured very feeling which my family really hated that painting
0: you know
1: because it's processing trauma and all those things right so um that brings up you know no one wants their daughter to think about her daughter's trauma poor my poor parents seeing that painting dirt thrown all over it
0: painting. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> you did know that this interview is uh, uh, going <laughs> We want to see this painting I believe. Have you still got it? I do.
1: Okay, I do but the, some of the dirt has now because it's dirt from Tuscany. Who knows if I was to, supposed to uh, track it across. It's probably illegal actually because the, the ground is from Italy but, um, but yeah I do have it. It's, um, it's the, the breasts are crocheted. The dirt is embedded. There's some cuts throughout the stomach. It's a dark brown ground, um, and then there's this crocheted sort of nipple that comes forward.
0: you <laughs> <laughs> listening qu- to this? I have a question for you, yeah that but you're probably going to say nothing scares me. Does anything scare you other than death? You mentioned death scared you.
1: I think I'm a bit of a hypochondriac, so that and I think that ties into the whole death thing but I mean does anything scare me in particular from the living world um, I don't think I mean I um not now I think young I mean I think yeah nothing nothing quite tangible that is from this planet that you sort of could do me harm um, no I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of that you don't have that kind of pressing fear of, um, of what if something happened. Mm. I had no idea where these answers were going to go, but here we are.
0: Here we are. Now, do you procrastinate? And if you procrastinate, how do you do it?
1: I totally procrastinate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: I, unless I have a deadline and I, have, I set myself deadlines, um, I totally don't do what I'm supposed to be doing.
0: When did you start calling yourself an artist? <laughs> All
1: right. So I think it must have been within the last year.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Sorry. Did I, what was the question?
0: Don't worry about the question. My next question <laughs> is <laughs> how often do you talk to other artists on a daily basis? Now when you paint, because you said you haven't done it in a while, how do you know when you're done with what you're working on?
1: I don't think I'm ever done. I have millions of paintings, but I cannot tell you if they're done. I think they'll be done when I'm dead. I mean, that's, you know, unless someone else paints on top of them. And I might gesso them at the end, right? Like to leave a room for the other person to put their own marks down, because I think it's, yeah, it's one of these processes where you, where some artists burn all their work at the end.
0: We're going to move on to life and stuff, is that okay? <laughs> yes!
1: Yeah. yeah, although the art part is probably going to interweave into that uh, it too. It probably will. If, yeah. What
0: was the best piece of advice you were ever given?
1: Oh, um, it was when my teacher said, right, you um, are where you are, right, you have some skills that you have, and understand that someone will always be better than you. And someone will always want to learn from you, right? So you're on the spectrum, and just be where you're at.
0: And what do you do that makes you lose track of time? Painting. <laughs> <laughs> but actually,
1: there's more. Hold on. So, so there's other things that make me lose track of time. Um, I mean, anytime that I'm sort of hiking, I don't care about time. Um, anytime that I'm at the beach or swimming. Care less about time
0: uh, uh, your plane just, just landed. Where are you?
1: I'm in Cape Town. I'm swimming with penguins. I did that once I was I, yeah, I went to a residency in Cape Town, South Africa, boarded a 21 hour flight, and landed and swam with penguins.
0: How old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Uh, I think I'm
1: perpetually twelve. Would be,
0: and maybe, so there's days where I'd be four and
1: five, like playing in the dirt, because that also makes, gardening makes me lose track of time. I love, I love the garden. Um, I grew up in, in my grandparents' garden. I knew every inch of that garden. Um, But what was the question?
0: <laughs> Just keep hear. talking.
1: I can't remember the question. How old would you be? If oh, you right. And yeah, so, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I'm perpetually trying, and I think we, I mean, that child self is with me. And I try not to be such an adult. But I am, I mean, I have to be. But. That sounds right. Anywhere between seven and four, four and twelve.
0: Some, Good, days, oh, some days 18, but those younger years, yeah. Now when was the last time you listened to your own breathing? I,
1: this today. I try to, um, so um, I do yoga.
0: And what are you never without?
1: I don't know if there's any particular object. I mean, now, we, now I have to have the phone, although I didn't take it on purpose, I didn't take it today. Um, but I don't need it. It's not something that I want on me.
0: Okay. This is the final question. Oh, so you can oh, relax into it, oh, okay? Well, almost the final okay. question. <laughs> if you had an imaginary friend, what would you two do together?
1: I did have an imaginary friend and I and I had it for a long time. It was after we immigrated. I thought I was the sister of Wonder Woman. And um and it was it was real to me. It was very and Shera, like Wonder Woman and She were pretty much the same in the same category. And it was this like power stance. I think um, yeah, I think because um, of the trauma of immigrating, I needed to have this like strong persona. And Wonder Woman and Shera bit the bill. She-Ra is the cartoon version, and um, like the sister of He Man. And what a stupid, silly names. But um, and, and yeah, I, I was I thought I was their sister, and so I would talk with them. I would spin around and, and pretend I'm there. And I was I was like almost a teenager. So it wasn't like a younger kid um, uh, imaginary friend. This was this was like a real um, sort of woman's power thing that I think I was going through that I needed to be strong. And I found that through my mother. I, she was she was the the pillar in the house. Everything could go wrong, but she's she just held it up. So that was my Wonder Woman.
0: Okay, and those are my nineteen questions <laughs> plus a few here and there. <laughs> is there a question that i didn't ask that you thought oh why didn't you ask me that question there's a question that you asked
1: earlier that i thought was going to be part of it which was what are you working on now and i don't know if we I, talked about that
0: what are you working on now, now? i'll ask you the yeah. question you want me to ask right. you
1: so i'm working on this large size, I did these little frames. When I was actually living with that group when I was 20, I did these little frames of home that I would carry around with me and the whole immigrant background that made sense. I have these little frames that are um, stretchers that are in the shape of a house. And so I did one on a, on a large scale and all these wild things started happening.
0: Well, that's the conclusion of my 20 questions. My final question is, have, do you have a final statement that you'd like to make? One, a word of advice, anything
1: at all. Oh, right. Um, today, I had a really good talk with, um, with my student, my editor, and we talked about Hemingway, and truth, and thinking about everybody's truth, everybody's own truth. And how do you translate? He said that he, he just wanted to write each day a sentence or a word that, meant, that, that resonated the idea of truth. Now, if I could do that for the rest of my life, I like could put a mark down, that's true to me. Like having having the um, the strength to understand that I'm valid enough and whatever mark comes out of me. I wanna end on that. Like that's what I, I think that's what I'll need to do for the rest of my life. I don't need to do anything else. Just to figure out what is true for me for the day, put it down. That's my final kind of <laughs> comment.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening. Stop by again.